You're listening to a special edition of My Safe LA's Fire and Life Safety Podcast, remembering the Northridge earthquake 20 years later. Hello, everyone. This is David Barrett with My Safe LA, and this is another one of our Fire and Life Safety Podcasts, our special edition on memories of the Northridge earthquake from 1994. And today, a very special treat, we have Frank Borden, retired assistant chief with the Los Angeles City Fire Department. And in addition to having a storied career with L.A. City, Frank is essentially known as the father of Community Emergency Response Teams, or CERT. And Frank, uh, as this is the anniversary week of Northridge and CERT played such a role as did you, you must have been one busy guy. Yes, I was, and I appreciate the introduction, David. This has been quite a week, and of course, uh, 20 years ago, it, it doesn't seem like that long to me. It's quite a memory of uh, of all the things that happened that day. I know I was awakened at home with the shaking. I lived in the South Bay Area then and went uh, immediately to work, and I had several assignments on that day and for several me, days after that. Tell me a little bit about the first couple of hours. Well, yeah, the first couple of hours were pretty hectic, uh, my first assignment was to go to our headquarters building downtown LA and make sure our emergency operations center was uh, being activated and it was uh, being activated just getting started and then my my next job was actually to be the plans chief for our department command and department command oversees all the operations of uh, the fire department and coordinates with the uh, other city agencies um, that was a difficult assignment because, <clears throat> as you recall, uh, all the power was out. Now it's the first time in the history of L.A. that we've lost all the power in the entire city. With that, um, it was very difficult to get uh, good information on what was going on, and to develop a response plan without information is very difficult. Fortunately, our fire companies were out as as per our plan and surveying their districts and communicating back to uh, what they have seen. And we knew pretty early on that we, we had a pretty big problem, but it was mainly focused in the San Fernando Valley. And that was very helpful for us to know because we could bring uh, our own resources from other parts of the city out to the valley and also request mutual aid uh, to assist us and focus our, our energies, if you will, in the, in the valley area. Uh, so that was the first, the first couple hours started there. Uh, from there, I actually went out to uh, the command post at Fire Station 88 in the San Fernando Valley and coordinated and managed the uh, USAR response by the mutual aid resources that were coming from actually all parts of the state, which is a very in- interesting uh, job assignment uh, for th- for that day. And then I was able later in the afternoon to actually go out and, and survey some of the uh, major sites that uh, we uh, had uh, uh, in rescue operations and uh, other other situations that I, I was able to uh, observe. So it was a, a very interesting uh, um, morning, afternoon, and even into the evening where we had uh, really had a lot of control of, of the emergency by evening time. It's hard to imagine that that was the case, but uh, by evening time we, we were pretty well off, if, you, if I might say that. Tell me about the challenges of communications and how you overcame that. Well, that was a problem, and that is a problem that occurs in many, many large-scale disasters, as you know. Um, fortunately for us, we do have a, uh, 
uh, earthquake response plan that was developed actually from lessons learned after the 1971 Silmar earthquake that calls for our companies to uh, use uh, radio communications to uh, report in and get assignments for response. But uh, beyond that, uh, and before uh, the earthquake in 94, we developed a uh, emergency management plan for the city. And, and you mentioned Division One was at Dodger Stadium. Each of the three divisions uh, actually become their own, if you will, dispatch center and, and management center. Uh, in the in case the uh, operations control division, our dispatch section, uh, is not operable. And so that system actually worked very well. It was very difficult uh, to operate that way, but it actually worked very well. And again, those come from lessons learned as time has gone on, and we've experienced all these difficulties, and we've found solutions to the difficulties. But the communication system was obviously critical to not only the fire department, but all the city agencies. And uh, unfortunately, we did have that uh, early communication problem, but we did have a backup plan, and it worked relatively well. Well, that's, that's you know, one of the important things about a big city is oftentimes people will assume that when something significant happens, everything will fall apart, uh, but not because of the event, because of poor planning. And one thing that the Los Angeles Fire Department has been pretty good at has been planning and preparing for a worst-case scenario. In an earthquake, people often think about the damage being just from the shaking, but in this case and in many other cases, following the earthquake, there was a substantial amount of fire. Tell me a little bit about the fire threat and mitigation. Well, that could have been, I'll put it that way, a, a really a big problem for us. We did have approximately eight large fires that we had to deal with. And one of them was a, a fire out uh, in the valley of, in a mobile home park. Several mobile home parks had uh, fires, and those were from uh, leaks in the natural gas system in the mobile home parks. And so if you think about where uh, the fire managers, if you will, had to deploy resources, certainly resources had to be sent to where these fires were occurring. That was one of the larger fires that we had. Uh, we had an unusual fire at Cal State Northridge, which was in a laboratory that had uh, hazardous chemicals and biological hazards, and that was a very difficult fire uh, for our resources to handle because of that situation where entry was a problem for our firefighter safety. So we had a, a large commitment there. But if you think about what happened in past earthquakes, let's take, for example, uh, 1906 in San Francisco, the major problem there was the fire that followed the earthquake. That's what destroyed most of the city was the fires. Same thing with Kobe, Japan. They had many structural collapses, but in fact, the fire destroyed large areas of the city, and that was mainly because they had a lot. Both cities had uh, many wooden structures and uh, ignition sources, and once that happens, why you have large-scale uh, conflagrations. Uh, if you take an earthquake like we had in Northridge and you put it in a a Santa Ana wind condition the, the day that it happened, uh, you can imagine the chaos and the amount of fire that uh, would occur uh, from that type of a situation. Fortunately, in Northridge Earthquake Day on the 17th, uh, uh, that did not happen. But <clears throat> weather plays a very important factor, and the types of structures that uh, are uh, built in, into the city. Those are a couple of major factors. And, of course, the ability of the fire department to respond to those kinds of incidents. And my point was is 
if we're responding to extinguish these fires, then there's not a lot of resources to handle the other types of emergencies, like rescuing people from collapsed structures. So it's a it's a difficult decision to make for uh, the fire commanders, the incident commanders, to uh, take on the fire or rescue people in buildings. Fortunately, we were able to do most things simultaneously because we moved our resources into the right spots and called for mutual aid in an early, early time. The other factor, though, I do want to mention was that our water system in the valley <clears throat> was very much compromised. Uh, many of the water mains were broken, so our fire companies had to... Uh, use existing water uh, supplies in uh, swimming pools, for instance, and we brought in water tenders, tanker trucks, uh, to uh, assist with the uh, firefighting operations because you're not going to extinguish a lot of fire without a good water supply. So that was an important factor also. To make all of this work, it's really important to understand how to delegate responsibility and for those you delegate to to understand their jobs. And that's where the infinite command system or ICS comes into play. Uh, Los Angeles is really a leader in ICS and how necessary, how well did it work on the 17th of January 1994? Well, it worked very, very well. That was, <clears throat> again, if we go back a little, a little ways in time, you know, we started working on developing a system called the Incident Command System and Multi-Agency uh, multi Coordination System. Back in 1971, that that far back and through time it's evolved and uh, now of course it's a national system but we we had implemented that system a long time before uh, the Northridge earthquake and matter of fact we've used it for several uh, incidents large incidents prior to that the add-on to our system was that um, multi, uh, the multi-division uh, management system where we have the three divisions turn into their own uh, command elements and the the system worked well from the ground up, from the individual fire company to the larger area command and up to the division or uh, area command concept. That's what we call it, the area command concept. It worked extremely well. And again, that uh, that's one of the factors that, that worked very well for us. Another factor, and you mentioned it just a few moments ago, is the ability to respond when there are multiple simultaneous emergencies not only will you have resources respond to those, but you'll have to then kind of play the Ouija board game of moving other resources to make sure that there's some level of coverage. And at some point in time, when you've got one firefighter for every 4,000 residents, as Los Angeles does, you're going to run out of resources. So the community needs to become a part of the solution. And the community emergency response teams, CERT, uh, is something that you were really a guiding hand in developing, and in fact, developed it around an earthquake situation. Tell me a little bit about the creation of CERT. Well, that uh, you you led right into that because obviously the the government response, the government is there to to serve and protect the public, but there's only so many government responders, if you will, fire, police, paramedics, public works, and so on. And <clears throat> for a scenario like an earthquake cannot possibly respond to every every incident, either simultaneously or even later in the incident. So uh, I really had a great opportunity to, um, uh, in 1985, to uh, go to Japan with the city team and observe in Tokyo the uh, uh, 
earthquake preparedness uh, events that took place there and looked and, and saw the the preparation that uh, was being done with uh, with neighborhoods and neighborhood teams were developed like a medical team and a uh, a fire extinguishing team and and uh, it was very impressive to see how they've organized neighborhoods to actually be responders. The following month, this was September '85, and the following month, October, I was uh, able to uh, go to Mexico City on behalf of the city of LA with a multi-department uh, team. I actually led the team to Mexico City to make observations uh, on a large-scale earthquake in a large city. Anything that would help us learn how to better respond or prepare for an earthquake in Los Angeles. That was our our mission. And there I found that people who maybe had no training, and matter of fact, most of the people did not have training, became volunteer responders. They they came in the hundreds to help those people in need. And that was very impressive because uh, the fire department there in reality is, was a very small fire department. could could not possibly handle all the emergencies that occurred that day. So here we had uh, people from all walks of life, including construction people with equipment, who volunteered uh, themselves. And many were actually injured and killed in the aftershocks that occurred. But they were there volunteering to help. So when I came back, I thought, wow, what, what an idea to develop actually a program where we could train our citizens and business people to actually be responders to assist the fire department, be an adjunct to the fire department uh, and the other emergency services, and be actually the first responders with some training because people want to volunteer. People can be trained to have skills, and with that, you have a community response program. So uh, I I really enjoyed doing all this. Like I said, I had the opportunity to do it. Um, So I wrote this concept paper in, in 1985 after my observations, 1986, uh, we formed it, we we uh, did the training, almost the same training as uh, is being done today, and we had a, a response team made of almost 30 people, and we went out uh, to different areas and, and did exercises, and we went to a couple of huge earthquake conferences and displayed the team, and very, everybody was very impressed. Said, Gee, this is a great idea. These were multifunction citizen response teams, multifunction, I say that because they had all these different skills to extinguish small fires and do uh, emergency medical, uh, including triage, which was a big thing at that time, search and rescue, and many other things, uh, team management. And so when the 87 earth- Woody earthquake hit in 1987, uh, Councilman Burnson uh, called Chief Manning and Mayor Bradley and said, let's put this program in effect. And this is this is the most amazing thing for me and city government for so long, that in one month, the city council and the mayor approved a budget, and I was in a brand-new assignment in one month to develop, implement not only this program, but a disaster preparedness division, 32 people, half of which were involved in the, in the CERT training program. And of course, today there are thousands of people trained in the city, and and uh, in the Northridge earthquake, there were a couple of thousand uh, CERT responders who did great work to uh, uh, save people's lives and mitigate uh, injuries and property loss and so on. They did what they were trained to do, and that was the real proof that this program was a viable program. And, of course, now it's uh, an international program. So 
it's grown from a, a concept all the way to a, a national and international program and a very viable one because certain people can do many things um, in assisting government. Tell me a little bit about the CERT's reaction and activities during the Northridge earthquake. Oh, that was most interesting. The earthquake occurred at 4.31 in the morning, so most people were home. And so these CERT uh, volunteers actually uh, worked mainly in their own neighborhoods. They didn't have to travel far, and mainly in the San Fernando Valley, because that's where most of the damage was. And they did uh, neighborhood surveys uh, where gas was leaking. They shut the gas off, which they're trained to do. Uh, they extinguished small fires. They took care of injuries. They did many, many things. But I think one of the most interesting things that we learned that the CERT responders did was they were able to take other volunteers who were not CERT trained and form them into their own teams and work with the CERT trained volunteers. The ratio, I believe, was one CERT uh, volunteer to 10 other volunteers. In other words, they magnified uh, what they could do by using these other people who volunteered to help. And that was the most amazing thing. And so we, when we teach these classes, we, we say, you, if you have that vest and helmet on and you're basically in charge of your neighborhood, there's no fire, police, paramedics, nobody else around, you're, you're it. And when people see that, they'll come to you and say, hey, I'd like to help. And so they do what we call on-the-job on training. The CERT uh, volunteers can train other people quickly uh, to be able to uh, do some lifting, carry patients uh, in, uh, to a safe location, and do many things. That was, to me, one of the most interesting uh, uh, things that we learned from the CERT response. The CERT response, of course, is the community helping itself. But there's also the concept of mutual aid. And there is a California Master Mutual Aid Agreement, and there are six, I believe, aid regions in the state. L.A. County is Region 1, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, that is. Uh -huh. So there are Region 1 and then areas A through G, and Area A is L.A., Beverly Hills, Culver City, Santa Monica. All of these people designed to help each other, but many of them affected by the earthquake itself. So how did mutual aid work on the 17th of January? Uh, good question. Matter of fact, we needed, as I mentioned before, uh, quite a bit of mutual aid to help us. First, we brought our own resources from the unimpacted uh, areas of the city, down at the southern part of the city, and brought them out to the valley. But, of course, immediately we called for mutual aid resources in uh, fire, fire engine resources, uh, water tenders to help us with the water situation, and urban search and rescue resources, which were uh, very much needed for <clears throat> rescuing, finding and rescuing the trapped people. Um, we had uh, uh, urban search and rescue task force and engines from different regions from L.A. County Fire Department. We had uh, urban search and rescue from Orange County. They were not impacted by uh, the earthquake. We had an urban search and rescue task force from Riverside. Again, you're looking, reaching out. Now, uh, when you do that, though, of course, it's going to take time for these uh, responders to, to arrive. And again, that can be a problem, especially in an earthquake that may someday hit Los Angeles that's bigger than the uh, Northridge earthquake. Now we're talking about a regional disaster which goes far beyond the boundaries of the city of L.A., and those resources may not be readily available. They will come. We have a great mutual aid system in California. Well, and as we look forward, you mentioned uh, 
fires following earthquake that consume cities such as Kobe and San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, we still have probably 80% of the non-commercial buildings in Los Angeles City are still a wood frame construction. And while the fire department has a plan, the city itself needs a plan. And currently, I think everyone agrees that the city is just not ready. We're not ready because earthquakes just don't occur the way that an annual tornado season or rainy season does. But we need to get ready. And the mayor, uh, Mayor Garcetti, and uh, Dr. Lucy Jones and others have committed towards helping to make Los Angeles ready in terms of improving building quality and the structure and reinforcement. But it's actually much simpler than that. I mean, it just starts with every person making a decision that they want to be ready, or or am I missing something? That's very true. Um, If you think about the ability of any city to respond to a major disaster, um, it would be very difficult for uh, the fire department to respond to the number of fires that could occur. Most of the fires, I'll have to say, most of the fires start small and they grow big if they're not taken care of. And so most people with some ability and some training and knowledge should be able to put, uh, uh, extinguish a small fire uh, around or in their home. That's an important factor. Um, Again, building codes are a very, very important factor. Matter of fact, those were, again, things that we've learned from the 1971 earthquake and even the 94 earthquake, how important building codes are, not only from a collapse standpoint, but from a fire standpoint. Building separation, uh, non-combustible roofs, uh, the type of siding that's on the building, and of course new building codes, it's much better. We've learned so much uh, about how buildings react in these kinds of situations. One of the things though, and I got to mention this, is that our fire department, because of city budget restrictions, was really uh, cut back quite a bit here not too long ago, and uh, I know Mayor Garcetti is very interested in, in bringing back our fire department to the status it was a year or so ago because uh, we lost 300 and some firefighters and closed several fire companies, and uh, this is the second largest city in the in the United States, and we have one of the smallest per capita fire departments in the United States. We try to do the best we can, but we do actually need more more firefighters to help in these kinds of situations, the day-to-day, but we have to also be ready for uh, larger types of emergencies. What would you tell people about getting ready? You know what I think, David, is that people tend to, I don't want to say forget, but tend to not make preparedness a high priority after the earthquake goes away. You know, the earthquake was 20 years ago. The, that's the last big one, of course, we had. And there are smaller earthquakes that get people's attention. Uh, but people ought to think about, <clears throat> am I really ready, you know, for another big earthquake? Or I'm new to the city, what uh, what do I need to do? You know, I, I haven't lived here, I wasn't here 20 years ago. What do I need to do? There's many resources available for people, uh, like the Red Cross, My Safe LA, City Fire Departments, Emergency Management Agencies, and so on, FEMA, uh, to get information on, on being prepared. People tend to... Put that low on the priority as as the disaster time goes by. But people have to continually be reminded that something like that or another type of disaster can happen at any time. And being self-prepared and and prepared with your your own family is actually very critical. There's so many things to 
consider not, not only your water and food supply, but a first aid kit and uh, your emergency go bag. What what are you going to need if you're evacuated or removed from your your, your uh, home? What what are you going to take with you? What if the power is out and the ATM machine doesn't work and you only have a dollar bill in your purse or your wallet? You know, you, you have to think about all these things because when it does happen, that's too late if you haven't already prepared. It's way too late. If you properly prepare and if you practice that preparation, then you're going to have less of a chance to panic. So part of that preparation is making sure that you and your family Practice what you prepare for. Hank has not only been a critical leader within the components of building community safety, but after his retirement, uh, played a big role in the creation of one of the most important historical collections in the United States related to the fire service. The Los Angeles Fire Department Historical Society is in Hollywood. You can visit them at the website that they have, www.lafdmuseum.org, and they're open every Saturday. And Chief Borden is often there, so you can hear his stories in person. Just be sure that you have a chair to sit in because he could tell you a lot. And we're so glad that you were with us today, Frank. Thank you Thank so you much, very, David. very much. You're doing a, a very a great public service, and I hope many people uh, take advantage of the podcast because uh, – um, it's important. It's very important that people uh, know uh, what to do and how to prepare. And I really appreciate it myself. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a My Safe LA Fire and Life Safety podcast. My Safe LA is the public education partner of the Los Angeles Fire Department. Visit us at mysafela.org and lafd.org.